All right, we'll continue through the series in the book of Philippians this morning. So if you have your Bibles or have a way of looking at the scriptures, Psalm, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 will be our text this morning, and we'll actually we'll just be focusing on verses 12 through 18. We're doing this series called Joyride, and uh, some of you know we have a, uh, an older son who lives in Hawaii with his wife and, and three kids, and, and Josh started this theme really when he met his wife, and they used this theme for their, their, their wedding actually, Enjoy the Ride. Enjoy the ride. And, and, and Josh and Nicole, they, they really uh, have made an effort to enjoy the ride. In fact, Josh was that kid. He loves to skateboard. When we moved here, he'd be skateboarding around the church and stuff. And the deacons would get together and say, who's breaking up all the picnic tables around here? Oh, that's that Marburger kid. And, uh, <laughs> they let us stay anyway. But it's funny, he, was one of, he didn't do it on purpose, but that's just kind of sometimes what happens with skateboarders. But the thing is, uh, he and his wife really uh, try to live by this theme. And, and those of you that know them personally, it was just a couple years ago that Nicole, at the age of, of 34, uh, developed breast cancer and was in need of a, of a double mastectomy. And, of course, the result of that was the mastectomy, and, and, and she's cancer-free, which we praise the Lord for. But even through that time of, of, of testing, it was, it was fun to see how Josh and Nicole silly, really strove, stri I don't know if that's even a word, but they strive to live out enjoying the ride, enjoying the ride. So, so that's our, our challenge this morning as we look at these verses, 12 through 18, enjoy the ride. Introduction, joy. That God is in control of all the details of our lives. The confidence that ultimately we can trust God in everything that comes into our lives. And the determined purpose to praise God, praise Him in all things. Now these first 11 verses Brian's already looked at with you. Paul thanks the church for their love for Jesus and Him. And then he prays for the church. And now he gives a report on what's going on personally in his life as he is in a Roman prison. So here's Paul, a man in jail, and he's telling others about Jesus. And verse 12 tells us, he says, What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's come into my life is to help people come to know Jesus. He had confidence. He had confidence in Jesus, and that promoted joy. So as we go through this, there's, there's three thoughts that kind of come out of this that, that allowed Paul, that kept Paul, that kept him being joyful in spite of his circumstances. And the first thought we see here is that Paul was good at keeping his focus on the right thing. He kept his focus on Jesus. And that's a focus for all of us here this morning. Even though uh, stuck in prison, and obviously none of us are in prison because we're here today, despite our circumstances, Paul kept his focus on God. I want you to know brothers. He, he's saying, friends, listen, what has happened, what's come into my life, what comes into any of our lives is an opportunity for us to advance truth, to advance the gospel. Paul was good at at setting his mind on things above. In fact, he tells us that 
in, a, in another prison epistle, Colossians 3, 2, to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. So again, a, a great focus for us as we, as we go through this. And, and, and what Paul's saying here is, as a servant of Jesus, he tells us that in verse 1, as your servant, let the ministry that's in your life be a ministry that allows you to be followers. And Paul called himself a minister, but I think it's important that we all recognize that we're ministers of Christ. Now, some hold the title of being a, a minister, a pastor, but anyone who's a follower of Jesus can and should be a minister. We're all to be doing ministry. In fact, that's what our hope is for everyone that, that, that's part of our church, is to be doing something in this local church, something in the community that is serving and helping others. Now, I love this definition on ministry. It comes from a, a fellow named Warren Wearsby, who many of you probably know who he is, but he said this about ministry. He said, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And I just love the way that puts it on the bottom shelf. Ministry will take place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. So whether in jail, whether in doing a ministry in a connect group, in a children's ministry, a greeter, wherever God has you, use that as a ministry to fulfill your calling. And, and I love what Paul does here. He, he keeps us looking at our ministry correctly. And, and it's important that our focus when we do what we do is on Jesus. And, and that ministry is making the spread of the gospel your focus. And when we're there to spread the gospel as our focus, it, it can bring joy. Now, again, Paul, as we go through this passage this morning, he, he was being accused. He was unlawfully arrested and put in prison. And yet, he didn't say, poor little old me, he kept his focus on him. And boy, what a good reminder for all of us as we, we go through life that we keep our focus on him. I was talking to one of our members who, uh, he, he went and got his oil changed and he put too much oil in his car. And it had some car issues. But, but you know, what's cool was, his focus was not on, man, what's wrong with these people? Anybody can change oil. And, but he didn't say that, which probably I would have said. <laughs> but his focus was, hey, they're young, they're, they're learning. And his attitude was, was right through the circumstances. And boy, if we could just grasp that as we do life. So, so think of this first thought very uh, much as we go through this. Stay focused on Jesus. That's point number one. There's a second point to this. And again, this was all to help Paul keep his joy. And that focus is we put the gospel first. We, we, we put the gospel first. And, and now, the gospel, we use that word. In fact, Paul uses it several times in this book. But, but the gospel is this. And, and, and Paul tells us what it is in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So there's the gospel. There's the message of the gospel. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose. The death, 
the burial, the resurrection. That's the gospel of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news that God has called us all to share and to allow everyone in our paths to hear. And we all need to share that. Now, there's a passage that, that I love to share when I share. And probably at least seven times that I've had the opportunity to preach here, I've, I've used this, this, this verse. So I'm going to use it again. Hebrews chapter 12, and it just helps our focus as we are promoting the gospel. And it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And boy, as we seek to be promoters and sharers of the gospel, what a good focus to look at Jesus, who is our focus, who should be our focus. And by fixing our eyes on him, we, we have that, that encouragement and that hope to, to live out the gospel. So as we put the gospel first, we think God's mission is being accomplished. God's mission is being accomplished. And we've already made reference to verse 12, but, but he says in there so clearly, hey, what's happened, what's taken place in my life is to advance the gospel. His experiences, his past was, was a, 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 something that could discourage him, but yet it didn't because, hey, this is just to advance the gospel. Now, he was constantly chained to a Roman prisoner, we're told. And yet, he used that prisoner as being a prisoner as a place to pray, as a place to preach, as a place to dictate letters, a place to advance the gospel. And boy, what a great thing for us to remember as we think of circumstances that come into our life. And I like to think that we can't control those circumstances that come into our life, but we can control how we respond to those circumstances. And, and that's what's great for Paul's model for us to grasp here this morning, that, that he used those circumstances to respond in a biblical in a godly way. The chains didn't stop him from sharing the gospel. It, it helped God's mission be accomplished. And then there's another thought to this. In verse 13 it says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he goes further and says, People are hearing the gospel. People were hearing the gospel. It's cool to think about, I mean, this palace guard. History tells us that these guards were trained, were equipped to protect Caesar and his family. And we're told that there are probably about 10,000 special soldiers that were known as this palace guard or praetorian guard, maybe your translation says. So, figure this. Paul was chained 24 hours a day in six-hour shifts. So over two years, if every shift was a different guard, Paul would have had the opportunity 
to witness to almost 3,000 soldiers. Is that something to think about? That, that's Brian Glisson's math, by the way. So if you're figuring that out and it's wrong, tell him about it. He gave me that number, so I've I got to give credit to him. So I want to give credit to him, just in case it's wrong. But, but again, 10,000 people especially he had opportunity to share truth with. Isn't that cool to think about? So he used the adversity to be a platform. He knew God was in control. He put the gospel first in everything. In fact, in the book of Philippians, it's these four chapters, he uses the noun gospel at least nine times. So we have relationships, right? We have circumstances. We have family. We have people in our life that God has given us to share the gospel with. And it's important that we do that. Uh, my other son, Jeff, he got uh, five children. Some of them are adopted. And they were in Florida this past week. And they were at a park in Florida with their, Jeff was with two of his older kids. And uh, they were playing basketball. And of course, uh, when you go to these courts, sometimes people are there to play basketball and they go back and forth. So there's this, there's this older kid there, taller kid. In fact, uh, Jeff say is six foot, 11 inches tall. And he was playing, yeah, they were playing basketball together. So he uh, played basketball with my grandkids and just whipped the snot at them, which I was kind of glad to hear. And then, you know what he did? He, he, he told Jeff how he comes to the park and he comes to the park to play basketball, but then he comes and he uses that to share the gospel with the kids. Isn't that cool to think about? I mean, a place where you can go, or where he went, he used his love for basketball to, to share Jesus with others. And boy, if we could just grasp that, whatever your loves, whatever your platforms are, use that to further the gospel. The one pastor I worked with in Ohio several years ago, he had heart issues. So when you have heart issues, you obviously need to go and get that checked out. So, so he used that platform of, of just heart issues to get to know other people who were in that circle. And it was a great tool that God used him to talk about his, his different heart ailments to help other people. And then he would share the gospel with them. So I say that because it's important that we use that place where God's put us to share the gospel. We can get involved in a lot of noble causes, but if the cause does not bring people to a point of growing in the Lord and, and receiving the gospel of Jesus, those causes will not impact eternity. So, so take it further with people. You know, sure, they know you're a good person. They, 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 hopefully, they know about what your loves are. But when you take them to the gospel, and, and, and I love to just think of it, just tell them what Jesus did in your life. Tell them your story. And, and, and then uh, let them know the story of Christ through you. So as Paul goes on, as, he, as he's putting the gospel first, he, he, he say, hey, the gospel's being accomplished. People are hearing the gospel. And then he says, people are speaking the gospel. Because of my chains, look at verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, sometimes we don't even realize it, but people are watching us. 
People, our kids, our family, our friends, they're watching us, and they're, they're looking to see if we're proclaiming Christ. And, and what's, what's cool about this, as I see, because of Paul's boldness, I think the passage tells us, hey, other people are stepping up. You know, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Quint McCoy this week. If you know Quint McCoy, he, Quint, Quint will tell the telephone pool about Jesus. I mean, he, he'll witness to everybody. He's just that way. So he had a delivery from a local delivery place, and, and they delivered something to his, his uh, home. And, 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 of course, Quint starts telling these people about the gospel. And he goes to the one fellow, he says, you know, you need to be born again. And then what was interesting about that, the fellow who was the other guy in the delivery, he says, you know, what he's telling you is true. You need to be born again. And he used the same language. And, of course, Quint went further, and the fellow who said that, he says, yeah, he was born again. But, but what was cool about that is, as Quint went further with them, the driver and this guy who he was riding with, he had never known that story from the other guy. But because of the boldness of Quint, it gave him, gave him more of a boldness. Yeah, what he's telling you is true. In fact, I thought this was interesting. In Cleveland County, Quint went further with this, this fellow. He said, this guy lived here for years, and he said, have you ever heard this message before? He goes, never heard it. Never heard it. So there's people out there who we rub shoulders with, who are making deliveries to our place to, to, to give out the message to. In fact, by us doing it, it would maybe make others more bold. And uh, because of his change, Others are proclaiming without fear, the passage tells us. Now, in verse 20, just jump down. I'll point this out quickly. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by, by life or by death. So, again, Paul's real, hey, I want the courage. I want the boldness to, to, to give out the truth, to give out the message. And, and, and to pursue this quality is a, an important quality, to be courageous men and women as we lead out in the circles God puts us. He reminds his friend Timothy over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look what he says. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Another one, 2 Timothy. Preach the word. That's for all of us. That's for all of us that are ministers. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, when you get a delivery. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist of your ministry. So, again... These passages that Paul's giving young Timothy are, are great passages or reminders for us all to realize that, hey, we're called, we're given this mandate 
to live Christ's glory out among those God puts in our passage, or, or, or put the gospel first, those God puts around us. And then there's one more. There's a third point here to all this, and that is uh, found in verses 15 through 18. Love Christ's glory more than your own. Love Christ's glory more than your own. So he shifts now, and in verses 15 through 18, he addresses some people that are sharing the good news. Understand this, not everyone was inspired by Paul's imprisonment. And what we see in this section here is that, that some use this time to bring glory to themselves and not to God. And, and you know, that's kind of where we're at today too, isn't it? We're all very self-centered. Or maybe we're not self-centered, but we live in a world that's very self-centered. And, and we got to be careful that we don't let self getting away because it will, it'll steal our joy. It won't let us enjoy the ride. But as we look at this glory here in this section, I'd like to use the message just to kind of help put it on the bottom shelf for us. And the message is a, is a paraphrase. And it's like uh, a, a guy, Eugene Peterson's his name, takes the, a section of scripture, or the whole scriptures actually, and, and, he, and he puts it in everyday language and, and he puts his uh, personality to it. But I, but I love how he se- puts this section on, in verse 15 and 18. He says, it's true that some here preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But the others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I am here defending the message, wanting to help. The others now, that I'm out of the way, out of the picture, are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition, and so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. So, as we, as we look at this, Paul, how's he to respond? And, and what I hear here is, I don't really care. I'm just glad the message is going forced. Whether, whether, whether bad motives or not, I'm just glad that, that they're proclaiming Christ. And, and, and it's, it's cool, as you see here, there's, I like to call two sets of evangelists in this passage. There's one that was about themselves, and then there's another that, that did it for the right reason. So uh, as, as we think of verses 15 through 17, think of it this way. Check your motives as to why we do what we do. And, you know, motives are a dangerous thing. Several weeks ago, I was out with a couple from our church, and we were having a pizza together at Toscano's. I like Toscano's. And, of course, as you can tell, I'm their poster child. Um, so we go there. Actually, they got something healthy. And I was with my wife, and, and I got a large meat lover's pizza. So I'm feeling it, you know. And, uh, I, you know, and, and at the end of the meal, we had some leftover. And uh, the guy I was with, he says, just take that home with you. So I'm thinking, my motives were, oh, I really want it. But my, oh, you take it. Oh, no, you didn't take it. So I'm feeling good. And my motives are wrong. So we pay, and we go outside, and there's this homeless guy. And the homeless guy looks at me and looks at my box of pizza, and he kind of says, he asks for it. And so I look at the pizza, and I'm thinking of breakfast. 
And, you know, toaster oven pizza, you know, and meat lovers, of course. And I look at the couple with me, and I'm thinking, okay, what are they saying? And my motives were, hey, I really want this for myself. But my attitude was, I probably should bless them with a pizza. And then when I got home, I thought about that, and I should have just given one piece and kept the other one. <laughs> uh, again, motives, you see. But, but it's important as we think through all this, as we think of our motives, why do we do what we do? And in verse 15, it says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Their motives were impure. But others out of goodwill. The latter do it in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So, the motives here. The self-seeking proclaimer of Christ. The passage says they're filled with envy. They're filled with with strife, and then the self-seeking proclaimer who preaches because they just love Jesus. Now, this self-seeker, they were, in a way, glad Paul was in prison because now he's out of the way and they can get the accolades. They're, they're jealous of Paul. They, they preach out of envy in, in rivalry, some translation says. So they, they, they're... Sowing discord was really their motivation. They didn't love Jesus, it appears, but they loved their own reputation. Their intent was, hey, I'm just going to aggravate Paul, and, and, and this is going to make him jealous. And yet, Paul, as he flips it here, he says, I'm just glad the message is going forth. Now, the content of their message isn't wrong. It's good content, but their motive was wrong. They preached a spiritual message in the flesh. And we all need to be careful of that as we do ministry. That we don't do it in the flesh. That we do it because we know Christ is leading and we're being filled with Christ as we go. The self-seeker. And then the Christ-seeker, they just love Jesus. They love to preach Christ and they wanted to encourage Paul. They, they preached out of a love for Paul. Because of who he was, what he did for others, and what he'd done for them. So when we reflect to love those who minister among us, reflect in a way that we're showing love of Christ. Live, live lives that are, are transparent as we, as we speak the gospel. They cared about Paul, this Christ seeker. They saw Paul's imprisonment as God's sovereign will, not a result of any disobedience or unfaithfulness on Paul's part. The Christ-seeking evangelist served out of love and sought to continue the mission that God had given them. So, some applications as we, as we think of this third point, as we think of loving God's glory more than our own. All right? Here's the first one. Beware of jealousy and envy in ministry. And that can be dangerous. You know, God's showing a lot of fruit here at Pleasant City Church. And it's important that we're not in a position where we get envious or where we get <laughs> about ourselves through this process. And yet we're sometimes tempted, but I encourage us to be on the alert and, and, and not let this tactic of envy and, and jealousy get in the way. And I love the focus. 
Remember the model of Jesus. Remember his way. Remember, I love what Jesus could say. Remember, he said, I'm just going to be about my father's business. He said, I've come to do his will, not mine. And it was always about the father. It was always about bringing glory to the father. I come across this story that ties into envy. And it talks this way. It says, some inexperienced demons were finding it difficult to afflict the godly hermit. They lured him with various temptations, but the man kept denying their allurements. The demons reported their problems to Satan. The evil one told them they had been far too hard on the man, so he suggested a more effective strategy. He said, send him a message that his brother has just been made a bishop of Antioch. Bring him good news. The demon used the devil's scheme, reporting the good news to the pious hermit. And on hearing the message, the godly hermit fell into deep and wicked jealousy. You see, that's often how it works. It, 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 it shouldn't bother us when others get praise, when others are promoted, when others are recognized. Because we're in it because we get to promote the name of Jesus. His motto in verse 18 really comes out clearly. Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. So beware of jealousy, beware of envy. And then another thought to this, beware of the temptation to promote yourself in ministry. Beware of the, promote, the, the idea of promoting self. Uh, that idea of rivalry, of, of self-ambition. And, and, and preachers are the worst at this, I got to tell you. None of our preachers. But, you know, it sometimes can become a competition among churches. Uh, uh, and it should never be. And I like to think of it all that we're, we're all Team Jesus. You're on his team. You're, you're, all, you're, all, in the, you're all Cleveland Browns fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a Browns fan. I know. People say, if you want to stay married, marry a Browns fan. They'll stay with you forever. <laughs> you know, because we, we're bad. But, hey, one day. Beware of the temptation to promote self. We're team Jesus. For we preach, for what we preach is not ourselves, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus Christ. And then don't be surprised if others do envy you. We'll probably never be an Apostle Paul, but the Lord may grant us a platform that can bring great influence. And if he does... And when he does, make sure you give the proper focus to Jesus as we put him first. And then one more. Pray for God to give you the grace to minister out of love for him and, and love for others. Actually, there's two more. But pray for God to give you the grace to minister out of love for him and love for others. He saw the message. He lived it out. He served out of love. He served out of goodwill. In this book that is so full of, of joy and encouragement to lovingly, humbly serve others is, is where we need to be. Strive to not be an envious evangelist, but an evangelist that proclaims the love of Jesus. And then rejoice when Christ is proclaimed. Verse 18. In other words, it doesn't matter. The important thing is, false motives are true. Christ is being preached. What matters most to Paul 
is a Christ-centered focus on sharing and proclaiming the gospel. It's remarkable when you really think of what Paul is saying here in verse 18. His life's not about himself. He spoke as one who had given his life away. He gave those who had wished to even destroy him, he even gave them credit here. Now, there's, quickly, I'd like to just do a, a cross-reference over in the book of Galatians. Because Paul's not really hard on these uh, self-proclaimed evangelists. But in Galatians, he gets on them and he speaks strong to them because he says this. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. He says, I'm not astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel that other than the one we preach to you, listen to what God says, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you are accepted, what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And I share that because Paul, hey, let God's curse come upon them. Why? Because they added works to the gospel. See, the evangelists in Philippians 1, sure their motives weren't right, but their message was right. And of course, we don't know the motives here that Paul's talking about in Galatians, but their methods were off. So he takes an attitude of, hey, let them be be accursed. The Galatians were adding works to the message. So so there's a difference as we think of those two, because some have used that, well, why wasn't he hard on this group, and he's hard on this group? Well, they preached it a different way. So, as proclaimers, as messengers, we're, we're almost to the application. As we, we go through this, think as a church, think as followers, think as Christ-centered preachers, and that's all of us, through our ministers. Think of these words that Paul gives us. I'm going to give you one more section of Scripture because I feel like it's important. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says it this way. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Say with me. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts, You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. So I I read that section. Of course, it's it's primarily speaking of that that minister, pastor, but it's a great application for all of us that are ministers, that are are seeking to be ministers, that we do it because we please God and do it in a way that brings him praise and elevates Jesus. And and Paul is so good at helping us see that. So as we go through this section, 
one more time. And as we think of this idea of enjoying the ride, be about the glory of God. And Paul is so great at reminding us that it's about the Savior, not the speaker. And, and allowing Christ's joy to remain is, is, is our goal. So model him well. So let me review. Stay focused on Jesus. Put the gospel first in all you do. And let's love Christ's glory more than our own. So, we're team Jesus. Remember that. We're team Jesus as we minister together. It's a, it, it, we're, we're all on the same team. And go out and activate joy through sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you're good to us. Thank you for the power of the gospel and that it does change lives and it's changed many lives here today. And I just pray for each of us, Lord, as we've gathered here today that we would recognize the importance of, of faithfully following you for the right reasons, with the right motives, with the right attitudes to bring you glory. And help us all remember that we're all, all ministers of the gospel and help us all remember that we're all on the same team and help us all remember it's to make Christ glory and to show him off. So we honor you today with this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand with me as the worship team leads us? Maybe you want someone to pray with you this morning. Maybe you just want to gather around the altar and use this opportunity to reflect. Uh, whatever your need is, uh, you come as they lead us this morning.